Warning, this podcast contains light spoilers for Futurama, first couple episodes, and some heavier spoilers for the Adam Eve special episode of Invincible. Jason Concepcion. And I'm Rosie Knight. And welcome to X-Ray Vision, the crooked media podcast where we dive deep into your favorite shows, movies, comics, and pop culture. In this episode, in the previously on, we are talking about Loki season two's trailer from the Struck Disney Corporation. Save us, Loki. Season two, you're our only hope. You're our only hope. In the airlock, it's animated TV time, including the surprise Invincible season two zero episode about Atom Eve, which was delightful, and the amazing Futurama season 11 with Cody Zig Ziglar. Futurama's back. It's back, baby. In Nerd Out, a comics recommendation question. And as I mentioned, we are joined today by Cody Zig Ziglar. Hey. How's it going? I am good. I am fresh off of picketing the Struck Company Disney uh, this afternoon. And even though the humidity is out, uh, everyone is also still out. It was was the first time I've been there since SAG has joined the fold. Mm, Not unlike uh, the rest of the Avengers are joining uh, uh, Captain America (laughs) at the end of On your left, on your left. Yeah. Um, I I am so glad that New Blood is out there because I was so drained after only there being there for like 40 minutes in the heat. So mm-hmm. it is definitely nice seeing some like young, enthusiastic faces. Um, also, uh, I, I forget how many children are actually in SAG. So I, I was out there. I was like, <laughs> yeah, man, there are a lot of kids. I, I was like, I forget that there are legitimately a lot of children in this union because I was like, man, these people really brought all their children out. But then I'm like, oh, wait, these are actual union members of of SAG. So that explains why there are like eight-year-olds on the line. It makes a lot more sense. Dude, how evil do you have to be as in a corporation that you have an eight-year-old picketing <laughs> you? That's so sick. <laughs> I love the children of the future, baby. Yeah, yeah. Bring them down, baby. Let me just say, I was at, uh, I was picketing Universal last week uh, in the heat, in the, in the extreme heat of the valley for, uh, uh, the event was you know, just a normal picketing, but it was all comics writers. Our mm. friend Zeb Wells was there. Our friend Andrew T was there. Other people were there. Lots of folks. Um, but one thing I found out at this particular picket on Lancashire Boulevard in the Valley is that SAG is not allowed to picket there because it's mm-hmm. literally too dangerous. Yeah. Really? And they're afraid that like – a note, some notable actor could get smushed. And it's true because you're crossing a lot of roads. Also, they've like done, you know, this is the place where uh, they cut the trees and it's also the place mm-hmm. where they fuck up I the guess they too, had right? to do some construction on the sidewalk. Yeah. yeah. So you have to walk in the street. <laughs> yeah, I think I just saw today, I think somebody <laughs> shared that maybe they've made, they've now made a new gate to make it safe for people to pick it there which is something SAG has been asking for for a long time, because as you mentioned, like with the cut trees, which was done against the city regulations, they've definitely been making that as hard a place as possible for people to pick it. Just just the nuts. It's also the place where um, <laughs> apparently people have been intentionally hit by cars. Yeah, like yeah a car I've heard tried that. to hit people over there. I think it's also funny that like they were like, all right, you know, this is where the comic book creators can go. They went to them there. They'll, they'll, <laughs> they'll, they'll, they'll fall on the grenade. grenade. 
Yeah. They were like, these yeah. bitches, they don't have a union. Yeah. You know, what are they going to do about yeah. it? Like, Does the world need another Wally West story? We don't know. Send them there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get into it. Coming up next, previously on... First up in the previously on the Loki season two trailer, which came out today. We're uh, taping this on a Monday and uh, the trailer appeared this morning with a wonderful surprise. The appearance of uh, Kei Kwan as Ouroboros and uh, folks, let's hope that this is the is the show that can swing things back to good feelings for the MCU on television because it looked fun and it was great to be to spend time with uh, some old favorites. Your yes. thoughts? Yeah, I I think it's very interesting. I think they're in a tough situation because it is very Kang focused as much as they kind of he don't only really... appears his face only appears for like half a second. It feels like there's a lot is of the threat in cutting. The movie. I <laughs> yeah. do. I yeah. will. I will say I have a piece coming out, uh, which was my theory all along, which I'm sticking to now. Which is, I hope there is an easy fix for this entire situation, which is mm-hmm. Ravona Renslayer was Kang in the comics during the I think that's right Terminatrix mm-hmm. objective, and it would be really easy to just make Ravona Kang and let. Gugu have her moment in the sun. I, that is my guess. I think it. I think it's really smart. Yeah, it looks fun. Disney, pay your writers. <laughs> <laughs> pay some actors too. Like, sounds like they're they're yeah. also struggling. Interesting. I didn't know it was like co-directed by Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, who were like really weird indie horror guys mm. who've made a lot mm-hmm. of like cosmic horror. So that was interesting when I found that out. Yeah. Uh, any thoughts, Zig? Uh, you know, uh, I will say it. It. I did watch the trailer today. Um, I yeah. will say the thing that I've always been drawn to most about the Loki series is that it seems like the most outside of Guardians of the Galaxy, the most tapped into like how fun the cosmic side of like Marvel mm-hmm. can be. Yeah. Uh, and like even with this trailer, like it seemed fun. It seemed like the most comic booky. It seems like yeah. it's the most. Um, it's the series that gels together the most so i think consistently like i think um like with one division like those first six or seven episodes when it was just a tv episode um from a different decade like they sort of like lean yeah. into like the medium which is like this this is like a fun like almost like quantum leap rick and morty type of like mm-hmm. you yeah know, like tv show and like i'm, I'm going to be optimistic like i enjoyed the trailer um uh owen wilson looks like he's having like a lot of fun in this love to see him yeah yeah so like i'm i'm remaining optimistic and i am very curious to see like how the king of it all is going to sort of like sort itself out yeah yes that is the question that's the big question i think here's my well i guess this is a prediction i think you're right rosie in that though there was probably some last minute tweaking but they will, I'm assuming, let this series run as it was intended to run, and that mm-hmm. post this, they'll move on uh, from uh, certainly Jonathan Majors as Kang, and maybe Kang in general is mm-hmm. like the the, the the focus. But I also feel like the Flash probably gave them some cover, weirdly, in, <laughs> in a terrible way to think mm-hmm. about it. They no, were no, probably no. Like, well, fuck it, the Flash got away. I, I, keep, I think, keep running. I think there was a. In, I think that was definitely influential. I think because the Flash didn't make a lot of money, that also probably impacted the way they decided to go forward. Like it was released, but it wasn't a hit. You know, so yeah. I'm interested to see how that 
influences them. Also, I do need to say something I find very interesting about this is like, so the this is very like you're saying, Zig, like the Rick and Morty of it all. So Loki seems to be in this situation where he's like time slipping, they call it, yeah, where yeah. he kind of mm-hmm. can't control where he's going. Yeah. That's yeah. very similar to the conceit of the Marvels, where they keep yeah. switching between time and space. I am unsure whether that is going to be connected or whether it's just a total coincidence because at this i would have before been like this is obviously there's some kind of cosmic entanglement but nowadays i'm just interested to see how that plays out because it seems very similar but it looks fun i like that kind of stuff yeah yeah i I like that also you know the conceit of marvel is that they are not afraid to recast anyone no matter how many movies you've been in so like yeah also with the added benefit of like you know there's an infinite number of kings so like you know all of a sudden, we're going to go to a king exactly. from Earth 37QB. He's like, looks a little different than than maybe the other kings we've seen. So, like, yeah. I think they, and there they was have also, that natural out. There's time. There's times in the comics where Kang is, like, more of a mantle. Yeah. Like, that different people from yeah. different Earths have, yeah. you know? So, I think, yeah, there's lots of space. That will be very interesting. Only six episodes. So, that will be interesting mm. to see how it goes down. It's Yeah, I think, what is it, October. Yeah, some good chilling time from now to then, and hopefully it can come in with a bang. And hopefully, everyone who worked on it got paid on time. We know that didn't happen (laughs) with some of the secret invasion folks, as we heard Cat Vasco saying on the picket line. Mm -hmm. So, oh my god, yeah, (laughs) wait, hold on, let's talk about this. We have this, okay. So, essentially, Cat Vasco, who was a co producer, I believe, and a writer on Secret Invasion, said that. Disney thought that if they paid people on time to work on MCU shows, they wouldn't be as eager to like work hard. <laughs> I'm going to read the quote. I'm going to read the quote. Here it is. So this is, again, from Cat Vasco, as told to the rap. Uh, and here is the quote. Quote, their explanation was, and this is about um, writers getting paid on time, which is a continual issue, yeah. whether it's the WGA SAG, getting your mm-hmm. money is a multi-week, multi-month yeah. Yeah. process. Um, there are there are things in the contracts that say, that stipulate you have to be paid according to a certain timetable. And honestly, the AMPTP and the studios just ignore, ignore it. it. And they ignore it brazenly. And they've they, always they, said they're the going to keep they ignore ignoring it. it. Yeah, they've yeah. been yeah, quite yeah, honest gonna about it. They're going to keep ignoring it. Yeah, yeah. They've been very, very, very <laughs> straightforward about the fact that they are not going to adhere to any kind of payment deadlines. Anyway, here is Kat Vasco to the wrap. Quote, Their explanation, the AMPTP, was then we wouldn't be incentivized to work as hard. It's insulting to hear with the amount of work that we're already that we already do for free. So Kat essentially saying that what she got from a conversation one would uh, one would surmise from some Disney exec was that uh, the reason we can't pay you is because then you guys are just going to. Go and play Fortnite and not be like <laughs> just gonna buy some food rent. and be relaxing yeah, yeah, yeah. on your for sofa. the rent money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and listen, I'm sure Deranged. that if you, I'm sure that if you could get this exec on the record, they say, "Well, that's not what I meant at all. Right. I just meant that." Yeah, I didn't mean that. Oh, what are you talking about? I didn't mean yeah. that. Oh, that's must have been some other that's exec. Taken out of context. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's not what I'm talking yeah. about. That I mean, was my I mean, friend. I, yeah. I, I was trying to say I understand how much the writers love the work. They do it for the passion of the work. You understand? Mm-hmm. They do it for the creativity. Like David you know? Zaslav said, we all yeah. love it. That's why we'll get yeah. back to work for the love of making things. <laughs> I love being in a room for eight to ten hours a day, not getting paid. 
It's great. It's great. I love doing. Wondering where the money's coming from. Yeah. Saying, you're emailing mm-hmm. your rep saying, hey, can you bug them again? Yeah. So, hey, it's been a I month. Can I pay my rent? Dude, yeah. Yeah. I'm like, hey. uh, this, is, this is one of the reasons I was happy to see the comic book writers pick it because like, this is a similar thing in comics. I, I love to write a script to a specific commission and then be told that the commission has changed and have to rewrite it for free. And that happens a lot. Oh, actually, yeah. now this character can't be involved or this character can't do that. So can you rewrite it? And no, your your contract that you signed does not, a work for hire contract, give you money for rewrites. Like mm-hmm. the amount of free work people are already doing in creative industries is like, people don't even realize how much of what you do is free. Yeah, yeah. As, oh, yes. uh, I, now that I think about it, I think it, I think it took me a month to get my first She-Hulk paycheck now that I think about it. Like, I just went back to my emails to look when my start date was and when my first actual check was, and it was uh, 30 days to the actual time that I started. So, good to see that the tradition continues. Yes. Up next, Futurama and Adam Eve. Let's talk about something much more fun, and that is Futurama on Hulu, yeah. uh, or at least on the Struck Company Hulu that is owned by multiple Struck companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of uh, one of the writers on that particular series is Cody Zig Ziglar, who has once again managed to sneak himself into a frame <laughs> of of a television program, making yourself canon in every series. <laughs> yes, Zig, tell us about uh, Futurama returning to the screen. Uh, it, it's a. Uh, I'm, I'm sure, like most people on. Actually, I'm sure, like both of you, are huge fans of The Simpsons and Futurama growing yeah. up. Yeah. So, like, yeah. When I, you know, got the call that I was coming back and I could be a part of it, it was a, a dream come true. Um, I am a huge fan of that series and The Simpsons. Like, you know, I, I probably, I've seen every episode of The Simpsons from season one to at least nine, mm-hmm. at least five times, if I had to guess. Yeah. Um, and you know, as someone, you know. You guys have sort of been with me as I, my trajectory of my career has continued on from yeah. like, you know, She-Hulk to Rick and Morty to this. So like, I, I you can look at my resume and see what kind of stuff I'm into, which is like the sci-fi stuff of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, but like one thing that I thought really sort of stuck out with the Futurama writers in particular, um, show ran by David X. Cohen, super, super, super funny, talented guy is that they really are like a nerd's nerd. Like it's the only show I've worked on where like, multiple people in the room had PhDs and they would spend mm. 30 to 40 minutes a day trying to make a joke about a very specific math theorem that would be on the back of a chalkboard <laughs> that I just couldn't understand. <laughs> okay, but okay. They, oh found my God. they were really passionate about. This is like you in the She-Hulk room yes. telling people about Daredevil <laughs> yeah. panels yeah. and they're doing it about like quantum physics. Yeah, exactly. This is me pulling up <laughs> my Daredevil comic, but it's them talking about like, what how many angles are in an actual triangle but that triangle now is going to be whatever that there's a very specific geometry trick in the first episode <laughs> that yeah. when i they spent 20 minutes trying to figure out how exactly this f- shape would form and that was very much every episode of that show was like mm. the two or three phd guys you know trying to get their very very niche jokes while everyone else is like yeah, but what if Ben just slipped on like a space space banana, like stuff like that? It was, <laughs> <laughs> it, was it was very fun. Um, it was also it's it's it was just so cool, um, you know, seeing how the soup is made, how the sausage is mm-hmm. made for those type yeah. of shows. Like, you know, 
we were lucky in that half the room were sort of like these old, old, old school OG guys and like the other half were people our age. So like, you know, we get, we got to, I mean, and as you'll see in later episodes, really add like sort of our perspective on things and seeing how, mm-hmm. um, you know, sort of like, you know, it, it's, it's such a fun mash, mash thing. Like here's a reference to like a 60s like bubblegum commercial and now we're going to have a reference to Black Mirror. Like that's basically like what the <laughs> show sort of became. Yeah, Scary Mirror. Yeah, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of fun stuff like that. One of the things that I found really interesting about this and She-Hulk, and obviously Rick and Morty is in this space too, but like, you know, the She-Hulk finale and then the opening of Futurama, it's like super meta TV, yeah. about TV and TV mm-hmm. writing. What is it about those stories? Like you're always kind of in that space and in that <laughs> mindset. And it's like a very new not a lot of TV is doing it, even though Futurama and Simpsons have always been self-referential. Mm-hmm. So could you talk a little bit about that? Because I thought it was crazy, like, just how many thematic and, like, humor similarities it shared with the She-Hulk finale. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I haven't actually thought about that. But I, I think, you know, I think all that stuff can sort of be tra- traced back to even, like, The Simpsons. Like, that was the first mm-hmm. time I ever remember as a kid watching a show and being like, oh, people write this? Like, mm-hmm. people, yeah. like, not even, like, just one person. It's, like, multiple people, like... I just I think there's actually like an early Simpsons episode where Bart and Lisa become like a writing team and they they <laughs> they write for like Itchy and Scratchy and they make Grandpa's Grandpa Simpson be the actual adult. But like there's even like a running <laughs> riff in that between like Harvard writers and like Yale writers and like a beat that mm-hmm. I didn't know this oh, thing that existed. So like I definitely think that was like sort of the early like the early like genesis of that is like seeing these sort of behind the scenes very 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 niche jokes for like a very you know for a job for a job where even now there are only like what ten thousand members of the wj yeah something like that mm-hmm. like yeah. not, it's, it's, not, it's a joke for not a lot of people but like that's the first that was the first show i remember watching being like oh writers are like things that exist and also the simpsons make a point of like at least once a season making fun of television writers and, yeah um you know yeah futurama was was lucky in that we had you know patrick verone who was who was like the previous wj president so like he's the one that actually has the line in the show that like uh i died i do it died doing what i hated like uh i think that's just like a <laughs> time model tradition that i was lucky enough to stumble onto you know um how like how far into the process would you be before you'd start to see like uh, visuals you mm-hmm. start to see any kind of you know, generated stuff that, to let you know, like what the scenes might be looking like. This is, uh, I will say, future. First of all, it's all we we had. The, so we had a cast and crew screening like maybe two weeks ago, and um, one of the um, animation directors um, gave a really lovely speech. But at the end of it, he was like, "Our job is to see a script and be like, this is impossible." And then I have a conversation <laughs> with David X. Cohen and be like, "Is it that impossible?" And then we have to make it possible. So. <laughs> Yeah, we uh, we 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 honestly ha- saw no visuals. It was pretty much everything that we wrote was like basically what would make it into it. And there was another running joke that um, that they would always have. It was like the four worst words you never wanted to hear, which is "we need sign jokes." So like anytime you see like a product or like a sign or a billboard, <laughs> we would spend half a day making like 15 different alts of what that joke could be. And then we email them and then they would pick the best one. So like, <laughs> it truly was like, you'd read a script and like, they would be like, there's a tumbleweed that blows by and on the background, there's a sign that says like this. So like, it truly is like, you see how much work the writers put into it, but then also um, 
how it's sort of hand in hand with like the animation team. Um, Rough House or Rough yeah. Draft was the animation studio. They did. A, they've been the animation studio for Futurama for forever. Um, but like a lot of it is just like off the dome from like the writers, and then you'll wow. sort of get like some more fun stuff when you get like animatics back. Like you'll see sort of like um, the art, art, the artistry that the artists bring to it, as far as like jokes. Like um, mm-hmm. I. Th- well, this episode hasn't come out, so I can't say it. But like, there's just some some stuff that they they add to it that's <laughs> that's like you never. It was not a joke, but uh, that was written down. But they added like a nice, fun visual joke. So uh, it was it was it was really it was really cool seeing the stages from like the animatics, like the colored version, to like the stick version versions, and seeing like it actually come to, like a full fledged thing. And now watching it on on um you know on the struck company Hulu, who will not pay the writers <laughs> uh, decent wages, but they should. You posted two screenshots recently on mm-hmm. your uh, account on the social media platform now called X. <laughs> um, and we see uh, from these screenshots that you've done it again. You've managed to get yourself <laughs> into a frame of Futurama, much as you, uh, you appeared on screen in the uh, She-Hulk television program. How how do you do it? How do you keep <laughs> doing it? And how did you do it this time? Uh, I I completely lucked out in that, you know, the finale for She-Hulk, you know, she comes into the writer's room and Jessica Gow, the showrunner, was like, hey, do you want to come on set? The only way you can come on set because we're in the middle of COVID is you be an extra. I was like, yeah, I can send the background. I was like, who do I got to play? He's like, yeah. well, you got to play yourself. I was like, well, yeah. I can do that all day long. So it's it's great. <laughs> um, but for this, like the the, the pilot episode, um originally like they go to the writer's room and it's patrick and there's a, a another guy ahead in the jar his name is eric he's like another old school writer but that was really it and then you know we were like we had we had got like an animatic version in like which is like the black and white version and then david was like hey um new writers can you just like send a couple <laughs> pictures of yourself to the staff um if you guys want to be in the tv show if not you don't have to and, like immediately i made like a folder with like all my references for pictures and stuff like <laughs> If you notice, like, if if you, uh, I'm sure Jason has seen it, but like the blue sweatshirt that I have is just my LA sweatshirt yeah. that I wear yeah. all the time. Like, there's a gold chain. Like, that's my, um, it's, it's like people at home can't see it, but it's my um, Black Panther chain. It's the exact same chain I wear in the She Hulk yeah. episode. Like, it's truly just like, hey, just send a bunch of pictures and like, we'll make a Simpsons slash Futurama version of you, which is like, honestly, yes. like, that was the dream. Like, I've always wanted to be like in like one of these cartoons. So, like, getting that sitting that off and like like a month later i got back like a little picture of me next to fry as like a scale thing and like my oh, only note so was fun. like can you make me taller than fry that's all that, that's the only <laughs> note that i had <laughs> so like i would like to get a three-peat uh, after the after the strike is settled and we're paid some livable wages like i would love to continue the the the, the trend of sneaking of weaseling my way into a cameo into a show that i'm working on <laughs> yeah that's also so are you now ready to be killed off in a future show because that's like the joy of I always think about Grant Morrison who obviously famously put themselves into Animal Man and then like years later someone in DC Universe was just like we're killing him Grant Grant exists in this universe so now we can they're a character so are you ready for your likeness to be used in nefarious ways in future episodes I welcome welcome my animated death Um, please let it be a swift death I would love nothing more than be like blown up by like Bender in like an episode of (laughs) A Futurama. <laughs> um, so you have managed to slip yourself in through the fourth wall into the scenes of both She-Hulk and Futurama. And I can't help but notice as a as a uh, 
a reader of your fine work in the comic book pages, that it appears that you've also slipped your good friend, Jessica Gao, into the pages of Miles Morales as a police officer, as the police police officer, Agent Gao, who's out here just trying to rein in Miles Morales's shine at any given opportunity, trying to, you know, is is always like one inch from bringing him in in cuffs. Yeah, it's 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 becoming like a running joke at this point where she's always like, I'm about to bust your ass, but somehow yeah. she gets out of it. <laughs> you know, it really wasn't too dissimilar from our relationship in the She-Hulk room. She's like, I'm about to, I need to keep going the straight and narrow, Ziggler. And I would somehow weasel my way out of it. <laughs> you know, I need, I need this outline now. It's like, yeah, I totally got it to you. And then I get it to you like a day late. Like, yeah, I, I have a, a fun running theme where like, I like to put my friends in my comic books. And I yes, thought it'd be, what, what better way to like have a nice insult jab at, at my good friend, Jessica Gavin, making her a cop that's trying to take down the hero of the book. And it's constantly going to be a thorn in his side. <laughs> that is extremely shady. That's an incredibly good friend shade. <laughs> and what's what's like this to be? We've been talking a lot about like strut companies and the strikes mm-hmm. and how you're picking and stuff. What's it like to like work on a show like this? That's basically like a dream gig or something that you love, and then launch it, and then have it come out like during the strike. Like, what's that kind of duality been like? It's a very. I don't know. I don't know if Jason. I don't know if you had another show. I don't know if your show came out pre-strike. Yeah, it came out. No, pre-strike. Primo's came out. Well, Primo came out. WGA strike was on. It came uh, out like a week before the WGA mm-hmm. strike really hit, and yeah. uh, we couldn't go to our premiere, for yeah. instance, because mm. the action had started. Yeah, yeah. So it, I mean, I'm sure you sort of feel the same, same way. Where like you put, yeah, for for me, literally like 56 weeks a year plus worth of work into a project. Um, so like you know, it was, like we were supposed to have to supposed to go to Comic Con for like a big launch. Which mm-hmm. I, I saw pictures. It seemed like the launch was still there. We obviously couldn't go. Um, it, 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 it's sort of twofold. Like one, it's a bummer that like, I can't post more and share more, but also like, you know, I, I not sharing a tweet or a text or a, or, or an IG post is like small meat and potatoes compared to like what you're yeah. actually fighting for. Like, mm-hmm. and also the WJ were, were, they did carve out like, yes, you can post stuff, but you can't do it directly under the, the, right. the, the permission of um, yeah. a struck company, which is like why I could like post those things or come on this show. Like I wasn't asked by like Disney to, to come on or anything like that. But it, 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 you know, it sucks for like, especially like the actors and stuff who like, you yeah. know, yeah. They, they came back after 20 years to do this stuff, but they can't promote it. Um, and they did fantastic work. And like the cast and crew who, you know, for their unions, like they can't post about it. Like it, it definitely, definitely is like a, a huge bummer. Because, like, you know, again, we didn't have a premiere. We had, like, a cast and crew screening, which was, you know, definitely more intimate. It was cool in that regard. But, like, you know, for for, for She-Hulk, they had, like, you know, the fucking mm-hmm. theater roped out. And they were, like, cameras everywhere. And you're, like, oh, I understand oh, why these things exist. Like, yes, it's to, like, roll out this big thing and, like, blah, blah, blah. But also it's to celebrate the Celebration, hundreds, yeah. the hundreds and sometimes thousands of people that work on these projects. So, you know, it's, it's bittersweet. Like, I, I'm bummed that we can't enjoy it more. But I also, you know... I, 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 that's part of the, 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 the handshake agreement when you enter to an union is that like for solidarity, like we can't do these things. So like, that's why me and Jason are out here on the lines at 90 degree, 80% 80, or 40% humidity, you know? Um, yeah, with Primo, you know, obviously it's easy for, you know, most of the writers to just not tweet, not yeah, that's that's fine. Yeah, also, uh, writers um, aren't really putting butts in seats. You know, no one's coming for you like, not really the executive <laughs> story. Yeah, like, like, what's Cody Ziggler got to yeah. say about Futurama, you know? <laughs> And, and with Primo is interesting because 
you know, the writers went on strike and SAG was still uh, negotiating at that time. So the writers got to do the promo. But who I really felt bad for was Shay, who Mm -hmm. created the show and it's based on his life. And he put a ton of heart into it, not to mention, you know, it's his family members are Mm -hmm. represented there in the show. And then so to not be able to uh, promote it, uh, I felt bad for him. I, yeah. That was that I that I felt badly about mm. because the, so much work and heart went into that, and to not be able to be like, hey, we really we really brought you something here. We really tried to to make something special, and to not be able to do that when you know you're so attached to it, created it, uh, et cetera. I that made me feel badly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, it's been very easy to not tweet about stuff. <laughs> yeah, and also yeah. The, <laughs> the critically acclaimed. Primo, like the the, crit- the reviews did it themselves. The reviews yeah. have been promoting the show. I've been very fortunate that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, yeah, I guess to fortunate. echo Jason's, uh, it's it hasn't it's it's never been an easier time not to want to use Twitter than the past thirteen weeks. <laughs> yes, so it's very it, easy. It sort of came at like the perfect time. <laughs> Yeah, thank yeah. you, thank you, Elon. Something we never say, but appreciate I, you making I, it easy. And I just know right now that Linda Yaccarino, who was recently in Los Angeles doing like a charm offensive at all the big agencies trying to get, you know, celebs to X about X or to say anything about X and be like, X is so cool. You just know that Linda was talking to uh, to whoever would be able to give them allow them to say x gonna give it to you <laughs> <laughs> and use a snippet of the song they to wish. promote mm. they wish you just know that that was how can we get x gonna give it to you <laughs> as part of our promo for the uh, social media platform Dude. x formerly yeah. I, I think people would have Burnt the headquarters down if they did it. <laughs> like the love for that is just you just couldn't do it. Like no, I'm very glad that she failed at that. I mean, does anyone even call it X? I don't have a Twitter account anymore, so I don't know. But are people still calling it Twitter? I'd be proud if they I think I believe it's still it's still early days. But let the brand let the brand <laughs> Jason said, yeah. give X yeah. a chance. Yeah, let give cook. it a chance. <laughs> Let it cook, folks. Yeah. Let it give it a shot. I mean, I mean, this is not. Uh, I'm sure someone, or plenty of people, have had this take already. But like, it just yeah. seems it's so comic. Like, it's just like, where is Charles Xavier at? Like, this is like it's literally, such, it's such an easy one to one with like comic book and like, like the reality of like this does not make sense in like reality. Like naming a company actually seems so cartoonishly nefarious that I, it's hard to like defy. To, and to the SEO is, must be so bad. Yeah. I can't even imagine how much money they had to pay on the SEO to make that yeah. even come up on the first page of well, Google. If you, well, yeah, when you when you search when you search Twitter, X comes up. So they've somehow figured they that a lot part of, of it out. Uh, but listen, this is why you and I are not uh, business geniuses. Mm-hmm. When you have a brand that is instantly recognizable to billions what you want to do actually is you want to change it you want to change it to something completely different that's not at all synonymous with what you do right mm. and you want to just switch it up that way and you will never understand that. i will never understand that 3d but, uh, 40 chess baby 40 so chess. many yeah. 5d chess yeah, 5, five D double chess. d chess solve 4x how about that linda <laughs> you can use that 
Use that one for free. Yeah. Use that one for free. Solve for X. Can you solve for X? I can see it on the bus stop mm-hmm. right now. <laughs> X marks the spot. It's like a little pirate's Ooh. nest. Yeah. You can have that one oh, guys, for free. Musky. Guys, guys, yeah. you're, you're meant to be. You're meant to be on strike. Don't oh, be giving yeah, away yeah. free, free, free gems yeah. here, guys. Don't yeah. be giving away free gems. <laughs> <laughs> X-ray vision will be back. And we're back. Let's talk about the uh, surprise drop of uh, the Invincible season Whew. two episode, Adam Eve special episode, prequel episode, the uh, the origin story of Adam Eve uh, on the Struck Amazon Prime Struck Struck, uh, struck. Network. Uh, I was shocked to see this pop up yeah. in my in my feed. I immediately watched it, and I got to tell you, folks. Invincible still got it. It's, it's it still slaps. Mate, it goes hard. The way that the animation team make this show yeah. look instantly familiar to people who watch yeah. like anime. Yeah. But also like completely different. Like that fight scene with yeah. Adam Eve and the kind of the big fight at the end. So I won't spoil kind of who she's fighting with. But like yes. the way they use camera movement. In yeah. that, yeah, it feels like a game Keep changer. Animated. Like it's like so it's different. It's very, very anime. Yeah. And there's all this this camera movement, the sweeps, like the action in this show is just unreal. And it's nice yeah. to see them. You know, she still has a very invincible backstory, very depressing and violent because that's mm-hmm. the nature of Invincible. But it's nice to see her get a little bit of character work here. Like I could see them do this for most of the characters Invincible yeah. in Invincible, and I would love to see it. Yeah, I, I kept thinking that like I could just watch. A series of just these off characters that yes. and I guess Adam Adam Eve gets a little bit I guess she gets more work than a lot of them but like I could watch like a Monster Girl like exactly yeah. movie or whatever you know I could watch Rex Blood's like origin story mm-hmm. like, I could watch any of those or even like um I, 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 I don't want to support it but like you know the the yeah the like I'm really excited to see like for those who have read the Invincible comics like yeah. for me for my money like the ending coda for like the ending like 20 30 pages of invincible were like yeah. to me is like probably the best ending to any superhero comic i've ever read ever yes and like i could fully just it's watch the best it. kirkman it's yeah. so yeah it's, it's absolutely just, the best it's kirkman. the it's, absolute best kirkman it's it's like you it just like you can't beat it like i could watch fully just two hours of that coda like i could just mm-hmm. watch that in in, in in forever but i think um, that one yeah it's like one of the craziest things too is like you know you have two iconic you have cory walker you have ryan otley yeah and like yeah. the way that they translate, like this looks they like an invincible comic, look. yeah. but yes. it doesn't yeah. look. Like, but it also looks like the best of the DCAU. But yeah. it also looks like anime, or like especially, it's so visually pleasing. Like I understand why when they surprise drop this, like everyone lost their shit because it yeah. also is like it still has all the things people like about Invincible. Yes. It's, there's mm-hmm. By the time you get to the end, there's some really horrific shit going down. Yeah. Like, and, and they really do some grotesque stuff, but it has that heart, it has that punch, and then you get this really fun, like, what's Mark been up to? Stinger yeah, at yeah. the end that yeah. also somehow yeah. manages to really hit, even though it's just like, it's mostly a bit, but the mm-hmm. end has this like little heft yeah i i just thought this was so good and obviously surprise dropping it probably because of the strike just to bring it up again like let's be real they couldn't have people out there promoting this but (laughs) but like it it was really good and i hope people got paid i mean that first invincible season blew my mind because if i'm not mistaken 
that was Amazon and Skybound essentially creating like an animation studio. Like I, I, I think I think that it was like more like produced by them. And the idea was to mm. keep making other animated stuff. And it's just like so it's wonderful. good yeah. visually. Like there's n- no one else right now is making superhero animation that compares to this. Yeah. It does something really great, which is, and the boys does this too. And I think, you know, whether consciously or unconsciously, uh, Struck Company, uh, Amazon Prime Studios has kind of backed into a brand with regards to its superhero stuff, which is this kind of deconstruction of yeah. Superman, of mm-hmm. superheroes. Mm-hmm. And the great thing about Invincible, what I loved about season one, and it's right there front and center in, in the Adam Eve prequel, is that on the one hand, they are deconstructing the myths, right? Mm-hmm. And and showing you the kind of like brutality and the very creaky, like, moral standing of superheroes. But also, they're giving you the magic of what is great about, like, capes in general. Also, like, it's, like, I mean, this prequel is all about a girl wanting to be special, wanting to find that thing that is special about Mm -hmm. her. And then that classic comic book thing of you get, the thing that makes you special and then you are rejected for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that is just, Parker. it is, and it yeah. is endlessly emotionally impactful for, at least for me, that is the thing yeah. that keeps me coming back to comic. Like when I get a whiff of that, when I get mm-hmm. like a hint of that kind of friction, uh, that emotional like impact in a story, I'm like, oh yeah, this is this is what I felt like, a, a, you know, originally uh, reading comics as a kid. And this prequel does it, uh-huh. and it does it on multiple levels too. It's not just like Adam Eve getting rejected when she shows a friend like what is special. Sorry to spoil. I think it's a light spoiler. spoiler. Light spoiler, but then you also get that 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 dichotomy of of what happens when the uh, the power the the hero is aesthetically beautiful mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as compared to the kind of more monstrous yeah. villain mm-hmm. and and what happens when that villain is warped by the fact that they are rejected by mm-hmm. society because mm-hmm. they don't look like everybody else like it's just like really good just really good comic book stuff, yeah, even you, though they are tearing it's simultaneously like tearing apart the uh-huh. tropes of comic book stuff. They're also giving you the tropes in in equal measure. And it just is really good. Yeah, I think something they did really well in the first season that they echo here in like a different way is kind of like the relationship between like Mark and his dad is revealed to be like a very abusive relationship in like its own way. Yeah. And that was really interestingly done in the first season. But the way they dealt with that here with like Eve Adams' dad and the way he's like kind of emotionally abusive and neglectful, there were Mm -hmm. like these moments that just absolutely broke me. Like there's a moment where she's late for her own birthday and he's already eaten a slice of her cake. And that bit just like, she just says it. She's like, you ate my cake. And she, and it just, it says so much and they do such a good job of bothering to add nuance mm-hmm. and detail and emotional backstory in a way that a lot of other superhero TV doesn't get the time to, but we do get the time to do in comics. Like Invincible is mm-hmm. so big 
it went on for so long. So there's lots of space for nuance and conversation about emotions. We often don't get that when you're stripping it down for TV. But I feel like in this special, especially, they expanded on something they were already doing really well in the first season with these tiny moments that just hit like super hard. Yeah, this show's really cracked the um, balance between the superhero big punching people through walls stuff, but like you really care yeah. about the family dynamics. Like mm-hmm. anytime yeah. you go, you see an exterior of a house and you go on your side, you know you're about to <laughs> have your fucking heart ripped open. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. dude, it's, it is. That's a great point. It is not. You would think, oh, we. I just watched uh, someone get their head torn off in mm-hmm. a crazy fight scene, uh, and now we're heading to the to the. the you know, a scene of uh, of domestic quietude. That's not it. Like I almost clench up more when I see the exterior of the house yeah. because yeah, yeah. you just know it's going to be an emotional battlefield mm-hmm. in there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, as this scene where where Eve uh, shows her powers to her mm-hmm. friend, and then her friend is just like so freaked out, was just so yeah. sad to yeah. me. So sad. Uh, it's just I, they've done it again, folks. Mm-hmm. They've really done it again. And then the action is unbelievable. Like yeah. that's the, the wildest thing to have like action that feels groundbreaking and different for Western animation, yes. but also to have emotional heft that actually makes you care about the characters is very impressive. Yeah, yeah. The the, the fight scene between um, what are they called? The Guardian, Guardian of the Globes? Is that that the Invincible? Yeah, the Guardians of the Globe and the and uh, the Lizard Squadron. The, the, the Lizard Squadron and like you know that scene is like I've seen that fight a thousand times in like Mar- yeah. and um in like the animated versions of Superman and all that stuff. But like even having the added edge of like at any moment Omni Man could just fucking snap whoever. Mm-hmm. Who, oh my snap god! This Queen Lizard, whoever Tatiana Tatiana Maslany plays a character like at any moment he could like just snap her at half and like seeing that subdued like quiet rage knowing that he could do that at any moment added such an extra texture of like fear and like stakes to these fights when normally you'd be like yeah right we caught the robbers we we saved the day but like having Mm -hmm. that little bit of edge that the invincible universe brings i think also adds like a a sort of like subtle tension to all these fight scenes no that's such a good point because like by the end of Invincible season one, you know the truth about Mm Omni-Man. But when we start this, because it's a prequel, he is still in that like Superman-esque role. Yeah. So you have that dramatic irony of knowing who he really is, but seeing him positioned as like the hero in this fight and then learning that he is directly connected to the, the, origins of Adam Eve in some strange ways like Mm -hmm. it's really smartly done and you're right it does add this level of like fear as you the viewer knowing what he can really do Mm -hmm. whereas the world still thinks he's you know the hero just an incredible and absolutely terrifying villain Mm Omni-Man and I will say you know in our in our um discord there was kind of a conversation going the last couple days about uh, why can't people get Superman right? Why can't mm. they figure out the tone? And just listening to this conversation right now, I think part of it is that if you're not a fan of Superman and you're not reading the Superman comics on the daily, it is a lot easier to engage with the, with the potential scariness of a Superman yeah. figure. Yeah. Through Omni-Man, through the boys, right? Of this character who's insanely powerful, but like, you're wondering, what if he just decides to not be a good guy anymore? Yeah, I mean, what if he doesn't this protect is, us anymore? Yeah, I mean, this is the this is the genesis of so many DC yeah, stories. Yeah, and also you the know? James like, Gunn movie Brightburn. It's like, yeah. what if Superman was evil? You know, 
And with Superman, there's never even that question. Like, you never heard. Mm-hmm. That's the thing about Superman is no one ever wonders, oh, fuck, what if he, what if he goes bad? Because you just, he would never happen with him. But uh, I think that's what makes it kind of hard mm-hmm. is that in we're just primed like as a culture now mm-hmm. to be like, there's got to be something else with that guy. There's got to yeah. be a dark side, you know, with a character like that. And that's what makes Omni-Man so fucking scary yeah. Yeah, yeah. is he seems like the perfect dad, mm-hmm. the perfect hero, the hero that Earth needs. And really, he's like a fucking genocidal mm-hmm. mass <laughs> murderer. Yeah. Uh, and is just barely keeping his rage under control. Yeah. And it's terrifying shit. Terrifying. Yeah, I think you make such a good point, too. It's almost like the 80, you know, the eight decade plus of like Superman stories and superhero stories. We are living with all of the ripple effects of all the different yeah. versions. Mm-hmm. So for every like all star Superman, you have that dark fear version or the Elseworlds version or the what if another he landed in another country you know like the red sun version like there's all these different ideas of the fear of him but I do think you're right I I still truly believe like Superman he has a good mom a good dad they raised him right they loved him and he's just a really good person because of that and also can we give Mark Kent the props that she deserves because she is comics most powerful graphic designer <laughs> she just designed that shit in her house and that became like the iconography I mean, of the world you know like I know I know it means hope it's from Krypton sure but I, I believe I Mark well, Kent is the world's greatest graphic designer mm-hmm. but, I like, agree with you that to me is like I, I hope that whatever version of Superman we get understands that because his inherent goodness is actually the most exciting thing yeah but i think yeah, because the, of like grim, it's become subversive yeah now, yeah like yeah almost, to be good to is, a character it, that good yeah yeah i would um, love to see it well blown away can't wait for the uh, the next season of invincible up next nerd out in today's nerd out where you ask, tell us what you love and why, a theory you're excited to share, or a quick question we can answer. Andrew asked for a little comic book wreck, and I believe that this is the perfect time for Zig to this be on is the call. The perfect time. And for me, like, if we can finally try and uh, <laughs> promote our manga and anime agenda onto Jason yeah. again. Yeah. So Andrew asks, "Hi, Jason and Rosie." And I will add Zig. I am a f- big fan of your podcast. Currently burning through your stuff to get caught up to most recent episodes. As a newbie to comics, do you have a comic or two that you would recommend me? And then he says this. I'm a big fan of anime. If it helps color my palette, most recently I've been into Demon Slayer, Haiku, and the Slice of Life anime, Katara Lives Alone. Based on those, is there a comic you would recommend? I will say yes, because I you are talking about anime, which means they're based on manga. And com- manga is one of the longest running forms of comics in the whole world. And I would say... I love uh, Maze and Akuku by Ramiko Takahashi. Viz is doing like an unbelievable re-release of those right now. It's one of the best slice of life comics ever. It's much funnier than Katara Lives Alone, which is incredible, but very sad. It's very wacky. It's quite raunchy because that was Ramiko's whole vibe. And it's about a woman who is a young widow who takes over a boarding house. And it's about her and like her eclectic group of friends. I, I love that. I would also say like... If you like haiku, probably you should be reading Ping Pong, which is like one of the greatest 
manga series of all time by Tayo Matsumoto, who's like really great. And the title will give you a hint of what it's about, but it's about like a table tennis league in high school and it's so good. And it's like one of the best sports manga I've ever read. So I would say those are like the two that I would really go for off those. Zig? Uh, I want to say based off this, um, this is mainly coming from the Demon Slayer and the, mm-hmm. the, the Katara lives at home. Um, I think for a simple, this is like more of this is definitely an, an older an older one, but I think if you're looking for something in the line of Demon Slayer, I think definitely think um, the original Yu Yu Hakusho uh, yeah. manga uh, and even the anime would be a great a great through line for that. Um, even maybe even Chainsaw Man, like it's not mm-hmm. Demon Slayer, but it's a bunch of fun fun high octane action and actually even. Jujutsu Kaisen. Those are probably three that I would recommend if you're looking for like supernatural stuff. I think some fun like like sort of elevated um, slice of life stuff is um I think Spy Family is a very fun one to get into. Yes, Spy uh, Family so and, great. And, and Sakamoto Days is another fun like slice of life with like a little bit of action added into it. Like uh, I think those are like were pretty good pretty good places to to start yeah and you know what we always talk about this one like we've talked about it a lot because it's so great but i think if you're looking for something that's like not anime or manga in that space we talk a lot about fantasy sports by sam bosma which is like so amazing and that's definitely in that sports manga influence space Mm -hmm. but it's like a really different style and the comics are beautiful they're kind of huge beautiful hardcover like they're really nice to just have in your house i will also say akira dark horses re-released them all i'm Mm. rereading it from the beginning and that is just like Every page, you're just like, what the fuck was a Tomo on? This is like one of the best. This is like one of the yeah. best things that's ever been made. So yeah, lots and lots of recommendations. Jason, is anything immediately jumped to mind? Uh, I am just happy to be taking all of this in. Yeah. Uh, I have just recently uh, finished a cure, which I, I hey. have on my shelf, and I absolutely love it. I echo the Sam Bosma drop, and I'm just taking notes, just like Andrew. Hopefully, I I would imagine is Andrew. Uh, what a what a perfect episode to have your question <laughs> yeah. answered. Can I slide in one Truly. more recommendation? Yeah. Yes, please. Um, this is this is a comic book that is very heavily influenced by manga, but do a power bomb. Um, yes. That is Daddy such Warren a Johnson. It's such a fun. It's just it's just like re- pro wrestling and like another dimension, and the dim- everyone in that dimension doesn't know that wrestling is fake on Earth. So it's just <laughs> it's just that, and it's very very fun. A recent Eisner winner. Yeah. One of the Eisner it, this year. Also, yeah. I will say, Jason, you are probably one of only like 5% of people on earth who've actually read all of Akira. So congratulations to you. <laughs> I'm hoping yeah. to be, I, I, now I have all the books I'm rereading and I, I never had like the last 16 issues because I have all the collected, I have all the uh, colored ones. Mm-hmm. So I'm like very excited to to finally be able to fully read it all in order. So well done to you. 5%. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew, so much. If you have any theories, passions, or quick questions you want to share, hit us up at straightatcricket.com. Instructions in the show notes. That's it for us, Rosie. Zig, any plugs? Zig, do you have anything to plug? Um, you know, uh, pay riders what they owe. Um, yes! Yes! Keep striking those companies, baby. Uh, yeah. And then that, I guess, if you see me on the picket line, say what's up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. Rem- remember, we say it every week, but you can... Go to the picket lines. You can follow WGA uh, in East or you can follow WGA West and you can see where the picket lines are. You can go and support. You can take people food and water and you can donate to the entertainment community fund. 
Also, I will say I do have a book that is that you can pre-order now. I did not write the whole book, but I wrote some entries in it. It's called The Screen Traveler's Guide, and it is very fun. It's like a, a travel guide for people who love movies, and it features all different kinds of incredible facts and stories about movies that you love. I got to cover some of my all-time favorite movies, Enter the Dragon, Crash and Tiger, Hidden Dragon, uh, North by Northwest. <laughs> I also got paid for the first time to write about Twilight, so I'm incredibly <laughs> proud of that and happy. Uh, but it covers everything from like Star Wars to superheroes to classic movies to like Prey. I wrote about like the Predator franchise and oh, Prey wow. and where oh, they yeah. filmed that. So it's really cool. There's a bunch of brilliant writers like Ty Gooden involved. So that's really fun. And if you love movies, that'll probably be a great thing. So you can pre-order that now. Catch the next episode of X-Ray Vision Friday, August 4th for a mailbag Ooh, episode. Send Get those questions. questions and send us the questions. And you can watch full episodes of the podcast on YouTube. Also check out our Twitter at XRVPod and our Discord to hang out with loads of cool fans and talk about cool stuff like how they could get Superman right. <laughs> five-star ratings, five-star reviews. We need them. We got to have them. You got to give them to us. Here's one from EW713. Five stars for Jason and Rosie. I discovered Jason through the official House of the Dragon podcast mm -hmm. and wanted more. This podcast has been such a delight. Jason and Rosie expertly follow, expand on, and complete so many of the TV series and movies that my family and I watch together. I love all the excitement and discussion they bring to each episode. Thank you so Thank much, EW713. X-Ray Vision is a Crooked Media production. The show is produced by Chris Lord and Saul Rubin and executive produced by me, Jason Concepcion. Our editing and sound design is by Vasilis Fotopoulos. Video production by Delon Villanueva and Rachel Gajewski. Social media by Awa Okalati and Caroline Dunphy. Thank you to Brian Vasquez for our theme music. See you next time. Bye. Are you down for finding out the best news and entertainment? Are you down for celebrating your favorite fan with somebody that loves you as much as you do? Because if the answer is yes, the Down and Nerdy podcast is where you want to be. Every week on the Down and Nerdy podcast, you won't just get interviews with some of the biggest names in entertainment, comics, video games, and animation, but also reviews and news coverage on all the stuff you love. Host James Witham loves celebrating fandom all year long, but especially around Comic-Con season. Even if you aren't able to attend, there are tons of big panels, experiences, and interviews he can bring to you during and after the event. So if you're down, nerd out about your favorite fandoms, be sure to listen to and subscribe to the Down and Nerdy Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.